gentlemen, welcome to America's Auto Enthusiast Program. This is Auto World. And now, here's your host, Bob Long. Well, it's about that time to say welcome, everybody, into a very special hour here on Auto World. This is the hour that we devote to lubrication, and we've got our lubrication experts standing by, ready to take your calls, and we would love to hear from you. Mackenzie's running the technical side of the fence in Minnesota at GCN Master Control. He can be reached at 855-660-4261, or via the email bob at autoworldradio.com or Watson at thelubepage.com. Every week at this time, Dan joins us. He's one of the largest AMSOIL distributors in all of North America. He has more than 25 years of experience with synthetics and with lubrication. And he's also a, uh, a gentleman who's a, a, a Navy veteran with experience in, in nuclear submarine technology. And we would love to hear from you, so don't be a stranger. We're, we've got a number of questions lined up, but we can easily squeeze yours in at 855-660-4261. Well, let's go to the Auto World guest lines and bring forth the man himself. Every time he's with us, I learn something new. I hope you guys are feeling the same way because uh, he is just a, a tremendous resource of information. Dan Watson, welcome back to Auto World. How are you doing, Dan? Doing fine, Bob. Good to be with you on this uh, sort of gloomy night. Well, we've got questions stacked up here from uh, a number of weeks, so let's uh, dive right in, but encourage people uh, if they want to email anytime throughout the broadcast uh, Bob at autoworldradio.com, Dan Watson at thelooppage.com. We'll be watching that and, of course, taking the calls at 855-660-4261. Got a question from Bob in Georgia. He's looking for a new car or truck, and he thinks that he might like that direct-injected engine that we talk about quite frequently here on the show. I've heard about problems. Should I stay away from these cars? Uh, you're, you're in the trenches, so tell... Uh, well, yeah, Bob, I think this is one that we can both contribute to because you certainly sure. study and look at these cars as, as they're coming out, new cars. And if we kind of looked at these direct-injected vehicles and talked about why they're doing this right to begin with, uh, that might establish a groundwork. I mean, from the way I look at it, uh, these engines are more powerful than just a standard multi-port fuel-injected engine. So it looks like manufacturers trying to get more power out of a, you know, a smaller uh, engine, say a V6 or a four-cylinder, and they want to push the power up on it. So this direct-injected technology starts to increase power. So usually, when you can increase power in the same way if you set up things right you can increase the fuel economy get better gas mileage so i think if you boil this down and look at what uh, ford makes some i know that uh, toyota does honda does uh, mazda makes it i'm sure that uh, uh, chevy has some you know gm 
So, you know, to the listeners out there, you know, you, you kind of step back for a minute and say, what's the purpose of going to these, and what does it really mean to be a direct-injected engine? And, folks, if you're familiar with cars, I kind of lay it out for you, and if you're really familiar, you're bored with what I'm saying, but if you're not, it might mean something to you. Here's the deal. We've gone from carburetors where we have this wonderful device sitting on top of the engine that sucks in air and meters gas through jets into that airflow and it goes down through the manifold which separates up into an individual pipe going to the intake valve on each one of the cylinders. And that was the way for, gosh, from 1900 uh, primarily all the way up into the 60s uh, before we really started to see uh, fuel injection. Now, what does fuel injection mean? Well, instead of having that Holly carburetor or Rochester carburetor sitting on top of the engine, we start to figure out how to use some different types of injectors. And one, they would just put right in what they call the throttle body, which would be an intake. looks kind of like a small carburetor, but it's just got a, a jet, an injector, that injects the fuel into that. And then that, just like the carburetor jet did, that divides it up and it's, goes through the manifold to the different cylinders, and you've got gas and air mixture going in through the intake valve, which is what you want. Then the next step up is what they call multi-port fuel injection, and that's where you've got an individual injector in each one of the intake manifold pipes going to the intake valve. So now I've got, if it's a V8, I've got eight injectors. If it's a six-cylinder, I've got six. And if it's a four-cylinder, I've got four. But that was a, quite an improvement because it gave me the ability to be better controlled on getting an even amount of fuel in each one of the cylinders. That throttle body went up there in the middle. It didn't get it really 100% mixed well. Some cylinders might be getting a little more fuel than the others. And so this was a better way to balance out fuel supply with the multi-port fuel injector. Now, we move to the direct injected. And, folks, it's a simple thing. There's an injector it's in the cylinder, meaning that I'm going to directly inject fuel into the cylinder where the piston is. Hence, that's the name direct injected, meaning it's directly injected into the cylinder. Now, the industry's got lots of experience with this because almost every diesel made is direct injected into the cylinder. So they've got experience with doing this, but... Not so much with gasoline because it was it's a different animal. It has different ignition points than diesel and so on and so forth. So this is a relatively new thing as direct injected into a gasoline engine. But it gives you the ultimate in controlling metering fuel into that cylinder. I mean, it's right in the cylinder. So what you put in is what you get. And there's no guesswork or no mixing with the air. It's coming right in and... It's going to have to get atomized in the cylinder, and it's going to have to burn with the oxygen that comes in through the air. Now, direct injected with a turbocharger really starts to get interesting because that's that's really controlling exact air and exact fuel, and that that gets down to about the best control you can on the on the fuel air mixture for the burn in the cylinder. So, okay, what's wrong with the direct injected engine? Boy, it looks like we're going in the right direction. Well, there are some aggravating things that happen. There's nothing wrong with the engine. And this person's asking, should he stay away from the cars? No, don't stay away from them at all. They're very powerful. They're good engines. Just know what you're getting 
injectors have always been prone in diesels, and now we're finding it with these gasoline engines. They can leak some raw fuel, and if they do, it's going to go down into your crankcase oil. And when it gets into the crankcase oil, it's going to thin the oil. So one of the things you have to be careful of is you can't start out with one of these really, really thin oils like 0W20 or 0W16 in a direct-injected engine. You better stay up with a 30-weight engine oil so that you'll be sure if it leaks some fuel into it, it won't thin it out below a 20 weight, so you still have good protection in the engine. That's one thing you have to be careful of. The other problem is is that these things create carbon in the cylinder different than the multi-port fuel injected, and now I've got to worry about some carbon buildup on top of the piston, around the injector, and in the upper part of that cylinder. So that I didn't have as much problem with in the multi-port fuel injected as I would with the direct injection. They can put a little more carbon buildup. And then probably the number one aggravating thing is that the intake valve can get carbon on the back side of the valve and you can't clean it. So I'll finish that up quickly when we come back, Bob, and we'll move on to the next question. But it's important enough to explain a little history and a little bit of how the things work. Oh, absolutely. More with Dan Watson and myself as Ottawa will continue after these brief messages. And don't be a stranger. Give us a call, 855-660-4261. Giving your radio a broadcasted tune-up. This is Auto World and your host, Bob Long. Dan Watson is with us. He is the CEO of TheLubePage.com. He's our resident in-house expert when it comes to lubrication, when it comes to synthetics, uh, one of the largest AMSOIL distributors in all of North America. And we're answering a question from Bob in Georgia who's considering buying a new vehicle and he's a little bit worried about the new direct injected engines and Dan you've done a great job so far going through the the history with the uh, carburetor and the throttle body and then the, the multi-port and, and now here we are with the direct and um, it, it's amazing the power that some of these engines give us today. I mean, there are two cylinder power plant, four cylinder power plants, two liter power plants that are putting out as much as a, a V8 did not that long ago, and there are V8 engines available today with, you know, the likes of seven and 800 horsepower. Uh, again, stuff that we never would have seen if it wasn't for technology like this, but like everything good, it does have a downside, and as you were telling uh, the listeners, why don't you continue to outline about some of the things that they have to watch for? Well, yes, and as I said before, these things don't mean that you shouldn't buy this. It just means you should understand some different things. It's like I tell people when they're talking about whether they're going to buy, they've never owned a diesel before, and I tell them, hey, go for it. I believe in diesel technology, but there are some things that you have to pay attention to that you just ignored in a gasoline engine that you can't ignore when you're doing the maintenance on a diesel engine. So in this direct injected engine, again, it's important to make sure that you run high-quality oil that can tolerate some fuel contamination. What do I mean by that? Well, sometimes some of these oils, uh, the lesser-quality oils, if you put much fuel in them, they will begin to do what they call a shear back, which means that the viscosity improvers that are in the oil to make sure that it holds that 30-weight level those are like 
they're polymers. They're like very thin pieces of hair, okay? And some of them, when you use the cheap ones, if you get them soaked in gasoline, they'll begin to actually brittleize and shear and fall apart. And then when they do that, your oil will shear back. It will not reach 30 weight. It might at best stay in the 20 weight range. And that's not what you want. So you have to make sure you have a quality engine oil that will resist shear back. Also, you need a 30 weight oil, not a 20, because you can expect some thinning of your oil due to some fuel leakage with the current type of injectors they're using in these direct injected engines. We talked about some carbon buildup. Yeah, it's a little more than what you had with the multi-port fuel injected, so you might have to run a uh, a fuel cleaner, and what you're doing there is cleaning the top of the piston and cleaning the injector, but you cannot clean the backside of the intake valve because no fuel comes in through with the air to pass across the intake valve. So since it's going in the injector only. So you're going to have to schedule for these direct-injected engines somewhere around, I don't know, eighty to 120,000 miles, somewhere in that time range, probably to take the vehicle in to the dealer or to somebody who's certified and knows what they're doing to do what they call an, a valve cleaning job where they've got a system they use. It's like we used to have one called MotorVac. It may still be out there. But they have to use a system where they professionally clean the valves so they get all the intake valves clean. You say, well, what is the problem if they're not clean? Well, they might not completely seal, and you might lose compression through the intake valve not being completely sealed. And if you start losing compression, you start losing power and efficiency and everything else that you want in the engine. So that's about the main thing, Bob, is not to be afraid of them, but to know that you've got some things to look out for, run high-quality engine oil, run oil that is... Uh, designed to tolerate some fuel contamination, and also recognize you're going to have to do some extra carbon cleaning. It's good to run the fuel cleaner, something like the Amsoil Performance Improver, to clean carbon off the piston itself. But eventually you're going to have to get some professional cleaning done to get the intake valves clean. So that's the best advice that I can give on the direct injected engines. Excellent job. I concur 100%. We've got uh, John in El Paso, Texas, with an interesting uh, question following up about uh, uh, something that we, we talked a few weeks uh, back about, and that's problems uh, with knowing if you're getting real synthetic oil. I miss most of your explanation. Could you explain that again? And I'm glad that uh, John reached out to us uh, via the email here with that question because Danny did such an outstanding job the first time around. Let's uh, remind everybody about this growing problem. Yeah, let's see if I can shorten it to the high points because otherwise we would spend the rest of the show on it. <laughs> I don't want to do that. <laughs> We have a problem in the industry that goes back a number of years, quite just to put it bluntly, that there was a decision made for the National Advertising Directory, anyway, the organization that controls what you can say in advertising and what you can't. They had a dispute between Mobile Oil Company and Castor Oil. Castor was using an oil that Mobile didn't consider was a truly a chemical synthetic, and Mobile challenged them that they couldn't advertise that oil as synthetic. And unfortunately, back in 1995, when this took place, a time frame, there was a decision made that they classified for advertising purposes that synthetic was simply a marketing term 
and did not represent a chemical claim. Now, in doing so, and Mobile was very, very hot about this and adamant that this was going to eventually ruin the whole idea of synthetic lubricants, this decision, because nobody would know what they were getting. And sure enough, uh, that has come to fruition. I, I warn our listeners that when you see a uh, oil on the shelf and it says that it is a full synthetic, uh, it doesn't really mean anything because since synthetic doesn't mean what you would think as a consumer, that it would mean that there's a, a, a chemical-made uh, product in that oil that is called synthetic. It's kind of like saying that you buy a, a cotton shirt and the shirt is labeled as rayon, even though it's just cotton because somebody said that rayon was the marketing term and doesn't really mean anything, okay? So they did this this stupid thing, and what it has done to our consumers out there is it's made it so that you don't really know what you're getting off the shelf because it says synthetic. And I used to say, just make sure you stick with the name brand people. They're not going to sell you junk. Well, in my own investigation on the Internet, looking at chemical constituencies, I found that there are some companies that just blew me away. And I will not name them because that's not what I'm going to do on the air to try to accuse somebody of something. I'm just going to tell the listeners it's out there. It's not real synthetic. It's glorified petroleum. And the best thing for you to do is to stick with companies that will will guarantee and verify for you that they're using a synthetic base stock. Now, there's the, the two people that I know, two companies that I can have a pretty good uh, confidence in, and that is Mobile. They're what they call annual change oil. That's, that's good synthetic oil. Amsoil. All their synthetic oils, real synthetic oil, okay? And Redline, which is a high-performance company, that's synthetic oil. Outside of that, I can't guarantee anything. I'm just blown away by the, the loss of integrity in the whole industry. Oh, it's so true. We'll take a quick time out and then more with Dan Watson from the Loop page. Hey, Jay Leno, and you're listening to Auto World with Bob Long. What's up, man? How you drive that channel out there? I'm telling you. Ain't that a fine machine? Lots of fine machines out there for 2019-2020, or perhaps you've got one parked in your driveway right now from 1975 or 65 or 55. Uh, we can help you here. When it comes to lubrication, there is the man himself, and he is with us. He is Dan Watson, CEO of thelubepage.com, and he was just uh, reminding us that uh, there are just a few brands that you can trust when it comes to getting 100% true synthetic oil. And Amsoil certainly has been doing it a long time. Dan, how many years has Amsoil been producing synthetic? Depends on which way you want to classify. About 1971 is really about the start of the company. So we're talking about 47 years. <clears throat> and um, I would just say 47 years of continuous growth. So what that means is that if you keep growing, it means you're keeping customers that you have, loyal, long-term customers, and you're gaining new ones all the time. And that's how you just keep growing. Now, you can't keep growing if you don't perform as advertised. 
And that's the thing I tell folks about Amsoil is I just people that have used this, these products and used them over the years, they trust Amsoil to produce a high-quality product, and that's what Amsoil does. And we have no idea, no thought of Amsoil that will ever control all the oil market and run these big guys out of business. It's not going to happen. But we know one thing. The group of people that trust Amsoil stay with Amsoil because it gives them the products that they can believe in, trust, and that actually do better than advertised. Folks, it's live radio if you hear the phone ringing in the back. (laughs) I can't stop it. Dan gets a lot of calls, and that's another thing we should remind folks that if you have a question, you can email either myself or Dan at danwatson at thelooppage.com, or you can give Dan a call, and it may take him a day or a couple of days to get back, but he will get back to you, and you can talk to Dan directly. You can actually buy oil from him no matter where you are listening here in North America. Uh, he's got all kinds of deals, and uh, why don't we make sure and everybody's got their telephone, your telephone number put up uh, in the garage or in their uh, in their glove box. So what's the best number for you? Bet, for, uh, that's 800-370-2986. And let me say this. Uh, you may hear me say something here on this radio show, and you may go, I, I'd like to know more about what he's talking about. Well, then just send me an email. Ask me. I'll give you more information. That's the one thing I will guarantee you that you'll never uh, find me shy about is giving you more information. I think people should be able to get the information they're looking for. They should be able to answer the questions that they have. And the more knowledgeable a customer is, the more often they're going to come over and and, uh, look at the Amsoil products. Because once you understand quality and value, and that's what you're looking for, then you're going to go find the product that guarantees it and not the stuff that's cheap and, you know, just faux pas stuff. You want the real McCoy. So that uh, being said, what's our next question, Bob? Yeah, it comes in from Michael in uh, Salem, Massachusetts, and he wants to know if uh, petroleum oil is highly refined and it has the correct additives, why can't you extend the oil change uh, to be as long as the extended oil changes in synthetic oils? Good question. It is a good question, and here's what I would say right off the bat. The number one thing that's going to kill petroleum oil, all other things being equal, is oxidation. See, oxygen that we breathe out here in the atmosphere is a very, very highly reactive element. It has, in the world of chemistry, a negative 2 on it. That's pretty high reactivity, meaning it doesn't react with anything that has a positive. That's the way it works. And so when we make, we refine petroleum oil, uh, it ends up with a lot of sites in the petroleum oil that are positive. In other words, carbon and uh, hydrogen, these hydrocarbons and even other different impurities, they have a positive uh, polarity to them. Well, oxygen's just floating around with this big negative, too, so it's going to be attracted anywhere that it can find a positive to be attracted to. So regular petroleum oil, without any additives, if you, if you poured it out here on a, on a surface, 
it would oxidize in a hurry. And what does that mean? Well, oxidized oil, it changes the consistency to a sludgy-type substance. Okay, that's what oxidized oil is. It's actually sludge. So we know that. So we put some stabilizers in the oil that will react with the oxygen first so that it will protect the hydrocarbon. We try to fill the sites in the hydrocarbon with uh, as much as we can and then put in something to scavenge the oxygen out if it gets in. But you can only put so much of that in there. You can't have an oil that you, you have a gallon of oil and you put a pound of oxygen stabilizers in it. You can't do that. There's only so much you can put in. So effectively over a period of time, the oil is going to use up all of its oxygen stabilizers, and as it does, it's going to begin to oxidize and form sludge. And so if everything else was the same, in some period of time, say seven, eight, nine, ten thousand miles, whatever, somewhere in there, the oil starts to oxidize and starts thickening. If it gets too thick, especially in these modern cars, it's not going to pump through these small clearances. We're talking about 20-weight oil. You get this stuff thick enough to be a 50- or 60-weight oil, it's not going to push through those clearances. You're going to starve bearings for oil. And that's not good. That's going to create hot bearings, and then they're going to seize, and then it's all over. So there's limits to what you can do because of the physical properties of those hydrocarbons. Now, when we make a a true synthetic-based stock, it becomes this fancy chemical term. It's called depolarized. It means it doesn't have any of those positive sites on the oil. It's inert. It will not naturally react with oxygen. So, my goodness, if I start out with no reacting to oxygen, put a little bit of oxygen stabilizers in there in case I have some, some crazy molecules that don't don't pay attention. And next thing you know, this stuff can run for a long, long, long time and have virtually no oxidation. So, what accelerates oxidation? Temperature and moisture accelerates oxidation. So, in an engine which produces moisture as a byproduct of combustion, I got one part, and it sure does run hot. So what it means is that that petroleum oil is in a hostile environment to create oxidation, and I have stabilized it the best I can with oxygen stabilizers, and that's about the best I'm going to be able to do. It's going to run out of them. It can't go as long. It's not smart to try to go that long. So what I end up having to do is make a better base stock such as synthetic, in order to give me the chance to run much, much longer drain intervals. And that's the whole uh, theory of why we go longer with synthetic than petroleum. So petroleum can do wonderful things, but it can't avoid being petroleum and reacting with oxygen. So hopefully that answers Michael's question. That's a great answer, to say the least. 855-660-4261 is our telephone number, the direct line into Dan Watson, CEO of thelooppage.com. You can get on the air and talk with us both, myself, Bob Long, and Dan. Or if you prefer email, uh, bob at autoworldradio.com, Dan Watson at the loopage.com. Got a question from Wayne, and this is a very common one. I get this one quite often. And uh, the person uh, didn't say where they were writing from, but Wayne wants to know uh, something about synthetics in general. And when we come back on the other side, we'll, uh, we'll talk about 
using synthetic motor oil and justifying its cost. And uh, lots more. It's all straight ahead as auto work continues all across North America. Giving your radio a broadcasted tune-up. This is Auto World and your host, Bob Long. Have you heard the story of the house? We're live, and we thank you so much for being with us. My name is Bob Long, and I've got Dan Watson standing by here, CEO of thelubepage.com, because you guys are hitting us with all kinds of questions, including the latest one from Wayne, who writes, I've looked at using synthetic oil, but it costs too much. How can I justify the expense? Well, I'll just throw my two cents in right off the bat. I mean, look at the average price of a new vehicle today. An average <laughs> vehicle. I know, that's 35000 for just any old average vehicle. You want something special? Like years ago, you could get a regular vehicle for five grand, and if you spent ten grand, you were getting something spectacular. Well, today you got a double or triple that. You're going to be spending seventy, eighty, ninety, hundred thousand dollars for something extra special. So there's a whole lot of savings and a whole lot of work that goes into purchasing a new vehicle, and synthetic oil is the only way to go. But Dan, you tell them better than I. Well, Bob, your your point there, if 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 nothing else, the fact that we know with a high-quality synthetic engine oil that you don't have to worry about engine wear for 500, 600, 700,000 miles of operation. So when you've bought a car that costs that much money, if you want to beat the game, the automobile game, keep your car for uh, at least eight years. Okay, Keep the car for eight years, then you're going to kind of get ahead of the curve when it comes to the cost of owning an automobile. But if you find yourself either having to fix them or get rid of them in four or five years because they're worn out, then you're losing all the way around. It costs too much money to do that. So just protection for your car would be one reason regardless. Now, let's look at expense for a minute. Now, if you're buying synthetic engine oil, you're going to spend more money. But there is a way around spending more money, and that is to buy something like the AMSOIL, long drain interval oils, or even the mobile uh, annual drain 20,000-mile oil. Let's look at what this theory of operation is. If you spend $4 a quart for quality petroleum engine oil, and you got to change it every 4,000 miles, let's say, just we'll use that number. Some would say 3, some would say 5. Let's go with 4 right in the middle. Now, cost me $4 for that oil, and I go 4,000 miles. Well, what about if I have an oil that goes 8,000 miles, and that oil would cost $8? Well, that'd be the same, right? In other words, if I went sure. 8,000 miles for $8, or I could go 4,000 miles for 4 what if the oil would go 12,000 miles? and it cost $12, then it would say that, well, I spent the same, $12 for 12000 versus 4 for 4000 Okay, so now we understand the theory here that if I run oil longer, then I have to understand how much that costs over the longer mileage. Well, with AMSOIL, we've got an oil that we tell you you can run up to one year at 25,000 miles. Now, most Americans don't go 25,000 miles. The average right now is running about 15,000 miles. So 
for ease of multiplication, let's say 16,000 miles. Okay. Now, if I can buy oil for $12 a quart that will go 16,000 miles, it'll go further, but that's as far as I'm going to go with it because I get out to the one year. That's also a stipulation. So I spent $12 for 16,000 miles. Well, if I bought four quarts of oil, one at four, one at eight, one at 12, and one at 16, making those changes, I would have spent $16 for the oil in the same period mm-hmm. of time. So what I'm saying here is that you have to know how far the oil is warranted to go before you can say it costs too much. Now, when you're buying somebody's lesser synthetic that they tell you is worth $10 a quart and you've got to change it at 5,000 miles, then that's a hard pill to swallow except for the the better protection you're going to get from the synthetic. Unfortunately, a lot of those synthetics, as we just spoke about earlier in the show, they may not be what they're cracked up to be, so be very careful. But what I recommend is that you take a look at buying oil that is warranted, guaranteed, for one year or 25000 That's the Amsoil Signature Series. The Amsoil XL Series is one year or 12000 Match up that year's driving to that oil. Change your oil once a year and see if it doesn't save you money over all those oil changes. See, I'm just talking about the price of oil, but actually it could work more like this. You go into the for a $35 oil change for petroleum. You'll get a $35 oil change. And you got to do four of those versus one uh, $70 oil change with Amsoil Synthetic. Okay, you get the $70 oil change versus four at 35. That's 140. So it costs you twice as much to run the petroleum, and it won't give you near the protection of the superior Amsoil Synthetic oil. So there's no problem with price if you just understand how to use the product. So uh, if, if the cost is is concerning somebody, take a good look at Amsoil. We'll show you how to save some money and use a superior product at the same time. Absolutely. Give out your telephone number and the email once again, Dan. That is 800-370-2986. And the email is my name, Dan Watson, at thelubepage.com. And you can go to my lube page. That's, that's my website, thelubepage.com, and contact me there also. And, of course, you've got a ton of YouTube videos available for folks to watch as yeah, well. Yeah, and they're after me to do more, Bob. I'm going to have to get off my butt. <laughs> guys are saying, oh, come on, great. Dan, you haven't done one in a couple of years. Well, guys, I'll just defend myself and say I had a heart attack a couple of years ago, and I'm back up to full steam now, but for a little while there, I took some time off. Yeah, of course. Another question. This one is from Alex in New York. He's got a classic Mustang, just like the one Steve McQueen drove in Bullet. What is the best oil to use? Can I use synthetic oil in this old of a car? Great question. It is, and the best thing to say on this is yes. It would be a 40-weight oil, and you want to use the 40-weight oil that you have to get in touch with me. There's a couple of them you can use, but we make some classic car oil and it's designed to have the right additives, heavy zinc and phosphorus load for this vintage of engine. It's important to protect it because I believe that Steve McQueen engine is a solid lifter, high-performance 289 V8. 
okay? Mm-hmm. With the four barrels, Bob, the old Holly four barrels. Sure. <laughs> a lot of fun to drive those cars. I'm sorry, folks. If, if today you, you're loving driving these little uh, high-performance four-cylinders. But, boy, when you crawl into that manual shift transmission with a 289 high-performance four-barrel and you kick those four barrels in and feel those back tires grab, break loose, and take off, it's a thrill. <laughs> it's just a thrill. So, you know, and uh, that car, by the way, Steve McQueen, when he drove it, he drove most of those things that in that movie. They had to pull him out of the car for certain things. They didn't want him to get hurt. But he drove that car for most of that because that guy was a real competent, qualified driver. He could. Drive, he was a race driver. So, qualified sure guy. Was. So, Synthetic, you bet. That 289 will suck it up. It's like getting caviar given to it, okay? <laughs> it will be uh, in heaven with a good quality 40 weight. Now, some of these 40 weights that we have from Anzoil also have extra rust capability in it, and some of these classic cars are lightly driven. They're show cars, and I've driven a whole lot, so you want to make sure that you have something in it that's going to prevent any rust or corrosion inside the engine because, hey, they're not going to make them again. If it's your car and you want it to go forever, do anything and everything you can to keep that classic car. That 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 Mustang from Bullet is that's a valuable car. That guy's got a hunk of an investment there, Bob. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, he's a very lucky gentleman. You bet. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I'm salivating thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> and so I don't know if we have time to do this last one, so we'll just finish that. But let me tell the folks that, hey, look, Amsel's growing. We need more dealers. That's another thing. Go to my website. Sure. If you're interested in a small business, you know, just go there and ask me for information on it. Nobody's going to force you to do anything. But please, if you think you'd like to do something on the side, grow yourself a business that someday would replace your daytime job because that's what happened to me. Uh, just go to my website and ask for some information. It can't hurt you. I'll give you the information and let you know what the ins and outs are. And if you think that's something you want to do, hey, I can show you how to do it. And it's been so successful for you and so many other folks that uh, you've introduced me to. Uh, it's amazing what uh, what the power of Amsoil can bring you. So everybody, uh, get in touch with Dan at thelubepage.com. Dan Watson at thelubepage.com. Dan, thank you for your time right now. And uh, we'll see you same time, same place, same channel next week. All right, Bob. All right, that's going to do it for this hour of Auto World. I'm Bob Long. Oh,